Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 2, particularly verse 13. Now when the Magi had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So far our text. Many say that the strongest instinct is the fight-or-flight response. When faced with danger, two options are available. Do you fight or do you flee? The danger can be the same in many different situations, but the response may be different. Which one should you do? Should you stand your ground and fight for your life? Should you flee and save your skin? Many times we don't know the answer. But St. Joseph, the earthly father of our Savior, doesn't have to ask the question. No doubt the Magi had told Mary and Joseph about their visit to Herod. They knew it wouldn't be long before the murderous maniac would come after their son. What should they do? They knew Herod wouldn't be there that night. They could sleep on it and decide in the morning. Nothing like a healthy dose of procrastination. During the night, an angel appears to Joseph, a divine revelation to give the answer to the instinctive question. Were it always that easy to make decisions and have a dream tell you exactly what to do? But in this case, an angel appears and tells Joseph to pack up everything and move to Egypt. Flee for your life and for the life of the life of your wife and her son. Herod wants to kill Jesus. He feels like he's been played the fool by the Magi, and Herod's murderous rage has already been seen throughout the murders of his own family. No wonder he wanted to kill the Christ child. He was the newborn king of the Jews, the Magi had come to worship. Herod makes sure that no one questions his role as the king of the Jews. Herod the Great would never see Jesus. He only knew that he had been born sometime in the last two years. He knew that he was born in Bethlehem. Jesus would still be in Bethlehem because Caesar's census had not finished being taken yet. So he sent his soldiers into Bethlehem with orders to kill every boy age two or under. This newborn king of the Jews, this usurper of his throne, would not survive. No little baby boy was going to escape Herod's wrath. Herod didn't know who Jesus was, but he knew that Jesus was a threat. Because Jesus was born, many innocent baby boys in Bethlehem would pay the price. The church around the world commemorates these holy innocents during the Christmas season. They were killed because Jesus was born. They were truly innocent, not because they didn't have original sin, but because they were punished for something that was completely not theirs to deal with. They died because of Jesus. And that's the irony of the story. 
because Jesus was born to die for them. The slaughter of the holy innocents caused great mourning in Bethlehem. Great mourning as when Jacob and his family mourned when Rachel died in Bethlehem after giving birth to Benjamin. She wouldn't be comforted because she died. She couldn't fight it. Her life fled from her. The parents of these boys in Bethlehem refused to be comforted after their sons were slaughtered. They had no chance to flee. Even if they fought against Herod's soldiers, they were greatly outmatched. There was no chance to flee. How can you be comforted after something so heinous? Only by the comfort Christ can give. Comfort he gives as he returns from his flight to fight for them. Joseph took his family into exile into Egypt just as the angel told him. The one place that continues the irony of the story. As we heard in the Old Testament reading, Jacob bringing down his entire family into Egypt. Not for the sake of somebody wanting to murder them, but because there was a famine in the land. And we know the story as it goes from there how the Israelites were then enslaved by the Egyptians. So why does God send his son back into that place that throughout the Old Testament has been called the house of slavery? Because of what he had spoken through Hosea. Out of Egypt I called my son. After a while, we're not sure how long, the angel appeared to Joseph again, just as he had promised, and gave Joseph the all-clear signal. Herod was dead. He no longer sought to kill Jesus. His murderous rage was over. It was safe for Jesus to return to Israel. And Jesus fulfills Israel's history with his own exodus from Egypt. He is Israel reduced to one. He came out victorious over Herod's murderous rage, and he returned to his people. Jesus returned to the land of Israel so that he might save his people. Coming back from his flight, Jesus is ready to fight for his people. It is still many years before his ministry starts. It is still many years before Good Friday and the sins of the world being nailed to him. But his entire life is a fight against the devil, the world, and the temptation of the flesh. He fought by his teaching, his example, and his death. Jesus taught against the sinful corruption that the Pharisees and Sadducees had made of the Christian faith. This fight couldn't take place in Egypt. The fight had to happen around the holy city of Jerusalem, the city where God had caused his name to dwell, where God had a temple built so that people could come and worship him, where he could live with his people, where he would die for his people. Herod's son Antipas would help to succeed where his father failed. Herod the Great sought to kill the baby Jesus. Herod Antipas held court with Jesus during his trial before Pilate. He didn't seek to kill Jesus. He was curious about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus perform a miracle. He wanted a magic show. He wanted entertainment. But Jesus fought against Herod's desires. He fought against everyone who spoke against him by not saying a single word. 
Jesus fought against death and Satan as he was nailed to the cross. He suffered the full wrath of hell's punishment. He fought and he gave up his spirit. He went into exile, even into the grave. But Jesus didn't stay in the grave. On the third day, he came out of exile, even from the grave. He rose from the dead to prove that he had power over death. He had overcome death and the grave. He has opened the gates of heaven so that all may enter. But those who enter are all who call upon his name and receive the great gifts of his fighting against the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. He had no sin of his own to die for. He had nothing of himself to redeem. So he was able to die for yours. He's able to die to redeem you. He came out of exile fighting for your soul. He fought and he won. He won the war so that you might be strengthened to continue to fight the battles today. Jesus helps you to fight the battle, but he also relieves you of the struggles of your life. Many times in life, the struggle is persecution. Persecution like that of the holy innocence. Persecution not because of something you've done. Persecution because of who and whose you are. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You are persecuted because you have been declared righteous. Being righteous by Jesus' decree, you act differently from the world. And the world can't stand the difference. The world doesn't like the difference. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. Evil, dark deeds loom against all who walk after the light. You, dear Christian, walk after the light. So evil, dark deeds loom after you. And it's not your fault. Jesus relieves you of your persecutions through the word of his promise. The ever vigilant promise of the now not yet. The promise that your persecutions are taken care of now, but we won't see the full realization until we get to heaven. We have it now, but we don't realize its totality yet. Persecutions last throughout your lifetime as you strive to keep close to your Lord. Persecutions take place as estrangement from family and friends. Diseases that ravage body and mind. Episodes of doubt and depression. These persecutions are yours because you are Christ. And he releases you from them through his precious death. On top of your persecutions, Jesus takes away your sins. Sins like that of Herod's murderous rage. The holy innocents were not born to die for Jesus. Jesus was born to die for them. He was born to die for Herod. He was born to die for you. He was born to take away your sins. He suffered your death, your punishment for all your sins, your hell instead of his heaven. Taking all this upon himself and his birth, he gives you everything he left behind. Everything that was created for you to enjoy from the very beginning of creation. Your sin has been removed. No matter what you have done, you may come to Jesus in repentance and receive the forgiveness of your sins. Not a, that's all right. It's okay. 
but a no record will be kept of it ever happening. It has been blotted out of history by Jesus' blood. As far as Jesus is concerned, it never happened. All that is left is his righteousness left on you in your baptism. His blood, shed for you on the cross, cleanses even, even the deepest sin out of your soul. You are clean and whole once again. In his sight, after receiving absolution, he has taken away your sins. Lowly innocents, by many respects, were untimely born. They died because of when they were born. Nothing they did, but all about Jesus. Their deaths, your life, it's all about Jesus. The Jesus who was born to die for you. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.